Hi, Doug. Hey, Karen. How are you? Oh, God. All right. I'm doing okay. How are you? Okay. I'm I'm good. I'm as, I'm as good as one can be these days. Um, but I have two really important things to say, and I want to say them at the top before okay. I forget them, because I will forget them because I am old. Um, one is, happy anniversary to us. We have been doing Back on the Block for four years this week. Is it this week? We started in March? Well, it was like February 27th or 28th, so... Oh my God! I think it's I think it's close enough. Oh my God! Happy four years to us. That's right. It's our fourth anniversary. Damn. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's why I say congratulations. I think our fourth year is better than their fourth season. I think that's quite fair to say. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um. So that was number one, or was that two and one? No, that was that was one. And then the other thing that I will forget is taking us right into this recap of Melrose Place, Season 5, Episode 31, which was entitled Going Places, and that has to be a direct reference to the short-lived TV series Going Places, on which Heather Locklear starred in 1990. That oh. I bet Heather Locklear doesn't even remember. Actually, yeah, I I'm, certainly I'm don't sure, remember this. I'm sure she doesn't. I kind of thought maybe Going Places was like a movie. Like, and Eddie Murphy, you know, like coming to America, going places. Trade, like, maybe like trading places. Oh, there's a good point. Maybe I was thinking trading places. Also Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Also Eddie Murphy. Um, that's kind of, I guess, taken out of nowhere. Although, I suppose going places, Amanda went on a trip. Yeah, I mean, you can apply it to just about any storyline, which are moving apace. They are moving apace. So do you want to get the stupid one over with first? There's actually like two stupid ones. So let's get them both out of the way. Okay, you, great. You, you start. You pick. Well, let's get Billy and Samantha out of the way. Because at this point, I just want the FBI to come and swoop everybody up and take them to jail and get them. It actually would be a community service. When they yeah. Like, like, just get off the episode. Get off the show. Yeah. But yeah. okay. And we'll get to it. There is one saving grace for this storyline. But we got to wait a bit to get there. So, so go for it. Dive okay. right in. Okay, I guess we're still at the police station, and Billy is still being interrogated. Um, um, but like they let them go. Yeah, they're both being questioned, and then they're released, and that's when Billy finally yells at Sam. Yeah, and so, um, so I don't know. I mean, whatever. And then they get into like a fight in front of the precinct and Billy's like, I'm walking home and it's like, you know, dead night in Los Angeles. And I'm just kind of like, you're gonna walk from, I mean, I don't know, maybe they were at Hollywood station. Um, I, I, I mean, it's, pos it's I possible. It's possible. Like I wouldn't want to walk from like downtown LA, you know, especially not after watching that. The Cecil Hotel. Cecil Hotel yeah. documentary with how, you know, a 50 block radius of Skid Row. I mean, like, you're going to run into that. Yeah, I I actually forgot that. I just knew that he was like, I'll go home on my own. But I forgot that he said he'd walk. I don't really yeah. believe he walked. I don't know. And he and he just kind of, like, left Sam there, kind of like when they let, uh, this, uh, Megan got left behind at the police station and she had to walk down that alleyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't get quite as ominous uh, a cold open for Sam, perhaps unfortunately. No, I mean, like at this point, I'm just like, I, but you know, at this point, like, 
let's let's just implicate them in you know aiding and abetting a fugitive and put them all in jail and get them off the show. Yeah, let that be the story. Let yeah. it be a cautionary tale. Yeah, exactly. And let someone else move into that apartment next year. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're going to give us shit storylines, get off mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go to storyline jail. That's where I want these people. I, you know, and, and so basically, like, Billy and Sam are, like, kind of sulking at each other. They're at shooters having a glass of wine or a beer or whatever they're having. And there's, like, some beefy dude who completely does not blend very well standing there. Just yeah, very, very clearly watching them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Sam's like, oh, that goon's looking at us. And Billy's like, hey, goon, why are you looking at my girlfriend? Me, my you girlfriend. already said that with more conviction than either of them, right? Yeah, and, 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 the, and the goon is like, well, I'm NYPD. And I'm like, no, you're a goon. You, uh, NYPD, LAPD. You can't be LAPD. You're a goon. And Billy's just like, you know, and, and he's just like, and I'm going to follow you forever, you know, ever, ever, ever. So, I mean, it's like, he's not even being like sly about it, you know? So they go back to the apartment and when they get back to the apartment, Sam's dad has broken in. He's crawled through a window. They're freaked out because obviously the heat is on, you know, the fuzz is following them all over the place. And, um, and he wants 10 grand and a plane ticket. Yeah. And Billy's like, well, fuck it. If you'll get out of our lives, I'll get you 10 grand on a plane ticket. And dad's like, great. And so dad crawls out the window from once he came. And now Billy and Sam are on the hook for 10 grand on a plane ticket to Mexico. Yeah. But, you know, if it gets dad out of the picture, I guess, worth it for them and for us. Exactly. So um, the next it day. It was funny watching him climb out the window. That was kind of good. Maybe. I mean, at least they showed up. At least they showed it. I mean, at least it's a nice reminder just how unsafe Melrose is. Like, I, you know what? I understand that, like, LA is a big city and it's probably easy to get lost. But they can't catch this guy. I know. It's basically, a, like, a massive cross-country failure on police enforcement. Because like, this guy's not that bright. Yeah, no, he's an idiot. And, and Sam and Billy are idiots. And they have they're being followed and like this guy can like just kind of sneak in sneak around and like the LAPD. Yeah. I mean like he's already targeted them and their neighborhood to follow. Like the dad is easily found. He's coming in and out of a no tell motel. Like this guy can be found. And the other thing that I don't understand is like, why don't they just tell the cops to go get the dad? And the dad is like threatening to like take Sam down with him. But like for what? Yeah. I don't think he has a leg to stand on. Well, yeah, and and they're just so stupid and naive. Like, I would be like, I will take my chances. Like, he never told her he busted out of prison. She had no idea. They really didn't know. You can't hold somebody responsible for something that they didn't know about. But, I mean, like, even if they take them back in, I don't think they would hold them for long. I think it's easy enough to be exonerated. Especially if, one way or another, they find the guy they're looking for. Right, especially if they say, hey, we'll set him up for you if you drop any charges against us. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, aside from the fact that they're idiots and they need to add to the storyline, I don't know why they're not just going straight to the cops. Yeah, well, look, I'm not a lawyer. So if ever you find yourself in this situation, do not take my advice. I could be wrong. Maybe speaking to the police is the last thing you want to do. However, if it were me, 
Well, if it were me, I would be calling a lawyer. I mean, because Billy obviously scrounges together $10,000. He doesn't have 500 to chunk up to a lawyer to get some, like, I don't know, reasonable advice. Sam can't call that lawyer friend from a few months ago. Oh, I forgot about the lawyer friend. We have so a lawyer the writers. friend. Yeah. Yeah, the writers have too. Um, so Billy collects 10, <laughs> Billy passes go. He collects $10,000. <laughs> he cleans out his bank account. Apparently comes up with 10 yeah. grand in cash and a plane ticket to Mexico. Um, and he and Sam decide they're going to outwit officer friendly. Yeah. They're like, well, let's figure out a way to get it to your dad and evade the cops. I don't know. Why don't you not give it to the dad and tell the cops? Right, right. And like, let this be a sting operation. Then you'll get, you'll be able to keep your ten thousand dollars. Like, what's the worst that happens if dad is mad at you and Sam? Dad is already mad at you and Sam. Right. So what's the worst? Exactly. So he goes to jail, mad. Like, and right. and okay. So he, you know, if you feel that guilty, send him money for commissary. <laughs> sure. Right. So, Billy, they decide that Sam's the decoy and she's going to go out the front door <laughs> while Billy, with the 10 grand on the plane ticket to Mexico, is going to go out the window like dad. And they've evaded the cops. He goes to a laundromat where he pretends to look in a dryer before, um, before Sam's dad comes over and he hands over the money and he's like, get out, you know, I don't want to see you again. Here's your money. Here's your plane ticket. Get out. I don't want to see you again. And now oh, there's course, a catch. I know, yeah. I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but the dad was like, I'm not going anywhere without my daughter. So he basically wants to take Sam with him, which is super creepy. And like, why? Yeah. Why do you want her? Are you going to punish her every day? Because like, she'll find a way to run away. What are you trying to do to her? Yeah. This so, is a storyline, and I don't think in the next season to come we ever find out more. This is a, a storyline, especially since it has been retconned, where we really need to see the mom character to get a little bit more context of what they now say is going on in the Riley household. I don't think we need to see anything. I think we just need to get them all off the page. Like, I, I like burn it down. Like, this is just a terrible storyline, even if they explained it. Can I ask a question? I may yeah. be remembering wrong, and I may be confusing it with Alyssa, who's liking this storyline, um, yeah. without saying it's well-written. Uh, did you at one point like this storyline more in the beginning, when Jim first came to town, maybe? I don't think I did, but okay. maybe. I don't think I did. No, I didn't, because I, this was at the point where I was starting <laughs> to really dislike Sam. Because oh, okay. I was okay with her up until this storyline. And then I was like, well, wh when did this happen? I thought she had, like, a really happy and idyllic childhood in Maryland. And now, all of a sudden, she's got, like, the ex-con dad that she helped yeah, put they, away. they completely rewrote it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's... I know this storyline has bugged me from the very beginning. Just, just making sure. Okay, so we can almost move on. But where we are right now is the previously mentioned highlight of the whole storyline. Because right after Jim says that he's not going anywhere without Sam, that's when Billy decides to get tough in the laundromat and kind of stand up to Jim. And that's when Jim punches Billy and just clocks him right across the face. And it was awesome. Yeah, Billy shouldn't be 
Billy shouldn't guy. be fighting no fights. No, he, he should not be fighting no fights. That ain't him. That ain't him. That ain't his strong suit. Okay, moving on. Yeah, um, move on. A second stupid storyline, which one are you thinking? Allison and Jake? I'm actually thinking Matt, which will lead us into Allison and Jake. Oh, where were we? Yeah, okay, so we first, when we, we see Matt, uh, the first time we see Matt, he's in, he rushes into the emergency room because Chelsea busted up her arm. She, like, hurt her hand in PE. I don't know if it was volleyball or uh, what, but she hurt, she hurt her hand, apparently called Matt, who was busy working at the hospital. He was in surgery. Unavailable yes. to take her call in emergency. And so, of course, then she called mom. So Chelsea and Denise are both in the, uh, at the hospital. And they're basically attacking Matt for, I don't know, being in surgery. I, I, don't, I would like to know, however, when did Matt graduate from medical school? I mean, I don't know why Matt isn't chief of staff at this point. I he's know. He's got the most I... accelerated medical <laughs> career ever. I mean, one minute he's studying and the next minute he's in surgery. Yeah. And, and failing out as he's studying, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but now he's in surgery. Now, now he's doing surgeries. It kind of reminds me, I just saw this thing today. Um, like, it just kind of, like, was one of those things that crossed my news feed and I didn't, like, I didn't click on it, which now I'm like in hindsight, I probably should have. There's some plastic surgeon who is in like big trouble because he apparently like showed up at a hearing like on Zoom while he was in the middle of surgery. Who does that? Oh, well, I mean, I, just... I feel like that would happen at Melrose Place. Yeah, if we were in the era of Zoom, that would at some point. I totally feel like one of the, you know, I totally feel like Peter or Michael would be like, you know, showing up to like a court hearing while they're on Zoom doing surgery yeah i i see it yeah so um luckily it's not the zoom era that is not what happened however um matt uh drags denise out of the er to have a conversation with her and he says look what you know whatever's going on we should not be sniping in front of chelsea and then and then um and then she sort of fights him on that and so that's when we get like a little bit of backstory because matt right. is sort of like you're going to leave her again this is the shit you used to pull with my brother. I'm not clear what shit that is, but okay. Um, no, but what we do get is the idea that she has abandoned her willy-nilly before. Right. And um, and then she kind of counters that and says, I'm not going, I want my daughter or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like. basically, I think it's like the third episode in a row where there's one scene together ends up in a variation of, I'll see you in court. Yeah. And so that's, it basically oh no with the exception of matt and jake are at shooters but that comes later because first we have to talk about jake and allison who are in ojai yeah at the ojai grill looking at an old diner yeah i don't know if allison's really into this idea well i think we do know because they couldn't have made her sulkier if they tried I... Jake is there talking about his dreams, how he loves the vegetable garden that they would have at the grill. And Allison is basically like, fuck your dreams, fuck your vegetable garden. I mean, yeah, it's fine, I guess, whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, she's not yeah. verbatim. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. Those are not the actual lines that this Fox series said in the 90s, but that's what they're giving Allison here to put out. Do you realize that Jake Hansen was on the, could have been on the forefront of the farm to table movement? I had that thought. I was like, they're not using the same terms that we use now, but he would be a, a trendsetter. And Allison was like, but why? There's a grocery store down the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she did not, for somebody in marketing and advertising, she did not have the imagination to understand that Jake could have been the next French laundry. The Ojai Diner could have been the next French laundry. It's true. Alas. Many, was, one, of, one of many dreams that yeah. uh, she just has to kill. Okay, so in order for them to purchase the Ojai Diner, however, they are going to need to sell shooters because Jake needs that money. And so we have a blast from the past. Um, Jake's old friend, the bookie. I don't know. He's yes. a little, right? Monty. Is he like a bookie? Monty? He's a, lo he's a loan shark. Loan shark. Um, he shows up and he is looking at the place to purchase it from Jake. And Jake is trying to sort of go vintage jukebox. And the dude's like... Yeah, no, I'm turning it into a laundromat, so I really don't care, or dry cleaner, or whatever it was. It's it's the oddest callback, because if you remember, they left us hanging with what was actually going to happen with Jake and this loan shark like a season and a half ago, and they just never showed him again, and now they bring him back, and it actually doesn't look like he's going to play much of a role here either. It's kind of just for Matt to see Jake and be like, so, you're really going to sell shooters? What are you going to do next? And then uh, it leads into a whole talk about the next chapter of their lives. So Matt can make it about him for a second and be like, yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd want to be a dad until Chelsea came along. And what he doesn't say is, even though I've only known her for five minutes and even though she's 16 and I never had sleepless nights or had to change a diaper or teach her on my own about menstruation, like I know everything there is to know about being a father and it's just the greatest thing. And I love it. <laughs> I mean, Matt, Matt adds, like, like he's played Mr. Mom for years or something here. Um, but then it gets Jake to talk out loud enough so that as Allison is about to round the corner from the office, she can overhear uh, Jake be like, well, I did want to have kids, but that dream is gone. There's no way that can, that can happen. And it's okay. I'm settling for Allison, but, but it's fine. Just so Allison can hear this. Yeah, I mean, and he does say something like, I'm settling. Like, yeah. it's, just... <laughs> it's like a few episodes back when, when Sid finally, when her relationship with uh, Carter ended because she was talking to that random customer at the boutique. Remember the boutique? And um, and and she was like, there's these two guys I like, and one guy has a lot of money, and the other guy I'm crazy about, and there's no reason for me to tell this to you out loud in a public place, but I'm going to do it, just so I can be overheard. Just so we can move story along. That's basically what's happening here again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, part of me thought after the last episode that Jake and Allison, like the writers might let them ride into the sunset for their happily ever after. And I'm sort of kicking myself for being so naive. Yeah, they're, well, they're really making it look like it could go one of two ways, which is they are headed for a big disastrous sort of end or like they're going to overcome this series of setbacks and right off into the Ojai sunset together. 
They're really making it look like they're at a crossroads right now. So, I mean, there's no shame in having that thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just would like them to not have any more drama. Allison has certainly certainly had her share. And, and you know, frankly, so is Jake. And, like, it's, it's Jake's turn to be happy. It's both of their turns to be happy. It's both of their turns to not have storylines that just revolve around shit things happen, happening to them. Right. And, you know, and not even, like, fun shit things. Like, what's going on with Amanda? Or, you know, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like, you know, it just is, like, shit things. Alcoholism and, you know, miscarriages and, uh, ab- you know, abuse. abuse. Like, you know, it's all of these are really terrible things. And, and nothing like outrageous and ridiculous and soapy yeah that's it's hard to do the real world things right and they're doing them wrong yeah yeah they're they're doing them very wrong and you know frankly i just want a little pulp i just want like a little soap i like i don't yeah oh totally you know, I'm I'm not there with the real world stuff right now with with Melrose. Not when because they do over the top so well and ridiculous so well that when we do get these sort of I don't know since I don't know if sincere is the right word, but you know these these storylines that are a little bit more grounded. It just yeah, doesn't realism. work. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I that's that's the show's problem in a nutshell. Don't be something you're not. You were great, Melrose, when you were campy and heightened because no one else was doing that. We have all the other shows in the world to try and do something more realistically. Don't go down that road. Like, I mean, do you remember when Sid joined a cult? Of course I do. Like, please, that was great. You know, so it's like more of that, please. I agree. Anyway, moving on. We can talk about... Amanda and Kyle, or we can talk about Sid and Craig now. Where do you want to go? I almost, uh, you know what? I guess let's go with Amanda. Let's let's do Amanda and Kyle. Okay. To do that, I'm actually going to have a start with Megan. Because Megan is just showing up and telling everyone what's what these days. So she goes to Kyle. Remember, it has come out that Kyle didn't just have an affair with Jennifer, but he kind of strung her along and broke her heart and left her empty. So she goes to Kyle and he's like, you need to make things right with Jennifer. Your affair really devastated her. And he doesn't realize that because I guess she put up a good front and made it look like she was dating all these other like med students or rich guys or guys with futures. And uh, so their stories had not been compatible. Um, I'm presuming that the truth was Jennifer really was upset, was wounded, had lied to Kyle. So Megan tells him to clean up his mess. Um, and I think the next scene is directly him. He shows up, uh, at the strip club that Jennifer just got hired at, um, where her manager is telling her, as she's a waitress, but he's saying she needs to get on stage and fill in for someone else who, who didn't show up. Um, and right when he's threatening her with her job, that if she doesn't do this, you know, it's going to be bad. Kyle shows up like a hero uh, and rescues her. Punches out the guy, takes her back to his apartment um, and, and says, okay, you can stay here, but 
Kyle will actually not be going, will not be in the apartment while Jennifer is there because Amanda has called him and said that she has booked a red eye for 48 hours in, where, the Dominican Republic? I think it's DR. Yeah, they're going to the Dominican yeah. Republic for the 48-hour divorce. divorce. Yeah. Um, so Kyle is like, okay, Jennifer, you're here. You're welcome to stay here. Um, and now I'm going to leave because I'm off to the airport. Um, so Jennifer now thinks that they are getting back together. Not unreasonably, I suppose. Kyle left out some some of the intent when he rescued her. Um, and and Megan tries to be the voice of reason with Jennifer. Um, meanwhile, there's no food in Kyle's apartment. So Kyle was like, okay, I'll call the restaurant and tell them you're going to come and they'll leave some food for you. So, okay, put a pin in that. Um, in, the, in the Dominican Republic, the road to the hotel that Amanda booked has been washed away by storms. So Kyle is somehow able to finagle a quote-unquote beach house for them to <laughs> stay in instead. I mean, we finally see the house. And it looks like an outhouse. Like, yeah, it's on a beach and it's right on a body of water. But I mean, like, you know, it looks like where you would like go to the bathroom at Coney Island. I mean, I don't like it doesn't I don't know that it really looks habitable. I mean, Gilligan's Island huts were posher than this. Yeah. 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 Um, so Amanda is none too pleased. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, uh, go ahead. But then I guess like they, I mean, this is the thing. Like th this, this storyline was felt a bit rushed. Like one minute she's mad and she's like, I'm, and it's like yeah. the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. She's going to bed, and then she wakes up. It's the next morning, and he's cooking fish that he caught on the on like an open air fire. And she's like, that smells good. I'm gonna go get dressed. And but where's my luggage? Oh, the the, the well, tide the came in part. and washed it away. Yeah, and then, and like, then all of a sudden it's nighttime. <laughs> yeah. She comes out naked in a blanket. And then Kyle's like, well, the tide came in while you were sleeping and took out most of your clothes. Yeah. And, and then somehow the day goes by. But uh, the following day is when they're gonna actually do the divorce. Um, and they're, you know, like having dinner and toasting. She's still, in the, she's still wrapped up in the blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it starts this very compressed storyline in like what looks, what sounds like a screwball comedy kind of setup. And then it goes back to being a kind of like mellow, melodramatic, soapy thing as they continue to string along this like will they or won't they thing. But we get a little closer to will they for a second. They, we got a will they. Um, we got they. We got a they will. Um, because while they are on the beach, I think that they do actually kiss, right? That that night. They had, they, like, they a do. drink. They kiss, um, but they break it off, and they're both like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then, um, and then like, Amanda goes back into the hut and goes to bed, and the next time we see them, they're at the airport, divorces are final, and they're getting on an airplane. Yeah. So... Yeah, um so, uh, well, the only thing I have here in a note is they're talking about, like, they're both about to be single now. And he says he liked the idea of being a couple. And my next note is, again, you cheated for 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, ugh, yeah, he liked the idea. You just don't like the work that you have in to do. In practice versus in theory, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, anyway, um, they still seem like that kiss did not affect their friendship. They're still friends. They go home. They go back to Melrose together. Oh, can we just talk about Amanda's suitcase for a second? Absolutely. They got washed out to sea and then came back. She had it, and it was fine. And it was fine. They were gone for two days. It was like she packed her entire closet. Well, I'm biased because I've been watching The Real Housewives for a few years now. And they'll go on a two-day trip and they'll take eight Chanel pieces of luggage. So so now my, my whole uh, barometer for what's right and what's too much is skewed. But yeah, like that's an overnight bag. That's a duffel. Yeah, it's huge. And I, and I loved it where at one point, I don't remember if it was Kyle or like uh, just some random like gentleman in the DR was like, oh, let me take your luggage for you. And they take, like, her little sachet, and they leave her with her giant... Yeah. <laughs> her enormous suitcase. And this was back... Like, it wasn't one of those wheelie things. No, it was, it was like... before they made some some easier... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, like, this giant-ass, ugly, such a not-Amanda piece of luggage. It was, like, a, that tapestry, floral tapestry pattern... Um, massive, huge thing that she's just like lugging all over the Dominican Republic, um, you know, for for like absolutely no reason. And every time she was lugging that thing around, I was like, "What is this?" It was really such a distraction. <laughs> you know. Meanwhile, Ky- like Kyle's out there carrying around like his little like I don't know. It was like his his bowling bag. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like the tiniest bag, and she's got like this, like like this satchel and this ginormous suitcase that doesn't even have wheels. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So, and, and I think it's at this point where they get back to Melrose Place, and Kyle's mm-hmm. like, "Here, let me help you with your bags up to your apartment." And he like takes the little one, and she's lugging the big she's one. Lugging the big, yeah. <laughs> and then they get to the door, and it's like this sort of like awkward. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. You know, thanks for being a friend. You know, punch in the arm. And then she goes into the apartment and he goes into the courtyard. And I guess she has like these second thoughts and yeah. she kind of very like dramatically opens the window. It opens out. It's actually a beautiful window. I was like, they should use that more often. Um, and it opens out into the courtyard and the white curtains are billowing out. And she's like, Kyle, I just want to say thank you. I don't even remember what she said. It was something like, thank you for being a friend or or like, this was fun, or like, I had a good time with you. Like, it was something like that. Yeah. And she says it, and he he's about to respond, and out walks. Um, Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you. From Kyle's apartment. Kyle's apartment. And she's like, oh, my God, darling, you're home. You know, or whatever it was. You know, Kyle, you're home. And, and Amanda is just like, sees that, and she just completely like, yeah, you, get, you, 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 you see right. Just shuts it down again. Heather Locklear, Chef's Kiss. Yeah, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. That was such a great moment for her. You know, you just kind of saw the whole thing. Like, you know, she was kind of hurt by that. You know, she thought they had this moment, and I think that part of her is like, "Hey, maybe we can make this thing go," even though we're both a little bit gun shy. And then she sees that, and she's like, "Oh hell no!" Exactly. You you summed it up great. Uh, I mean, and in and in you know. In typical soap form, nothing can stay good 
for long. So she was finally going to give herself over to something with Kyle. And now, again, it's not even second thoughts. It's like fourth thoughts for, you know, towards the end of the season. But again, liking the slow and steady build. We have a hiccup here, but we'll see what's next. I do too. Like, I was almost a little bit disappointed that they kissed and they had, because I was, I was like, yeah. I want to keep going. Like, this is a slow burn, and I really, really like the slow burn right now between the two of them. Um, and um, kind of like uh, Sid and the, and what's his name? The millionaire guy. The billionaire guy was Carter. a bit of a slow burn. Carter was yeah, a bit of a slow Yeah, that was a really burn. slow build, yeah. And, and, I, and I like that. I like it when they give us the slow burns, you know. And this one, and this one in particular is feeling very satisfying, you know. And I love that. I mean, you know, of course we talk about I wish Melrose was more soapy where, like, you know, Allison and Jake are concerned. But this is the one part where I think that they're doing, like, a little bit more realism and they're doing it right. Yeah, it's been very doing- well paced. And both Rob Estes and Taylor Locklear have a very nice adult chemistry together as well. Yes, they do. They have great chemistry together. So, um, And at this point, who is he actually married to? Is it Josie Bissett? Who was he? Yeah, yeah. He was actually They were still married then, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so where do we go to now? Are we... I think do... we should do Sid. We should do Sid? Um this was, again, a great storyline for Sid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I guess we've seen the last of um, Harry here. Yeah, so, so Sid effectively comes clean to Craig, and she's basically... Or, no, it was the last episode, right? Or, or no? Well, the, uh, the last episode is when Harry threatened to turn the tables on her if right, she, she ends this lawsuit. Yeah. It's his next cash cow. And yeah. this is the episode where she does tell Craig the truth. Yeah, so she comes clean and she's like, look, I want to settle this lawsuit, but my lawyer is a sleaze and he's blackmailing me. And Craig's like, well, he can't do that. He's your lawyer. And that's when she comes clean about what happened with the fall. And uh, Craig was like, I'll take care of it. Yeah. And she says it happened or I did this before I liked you. Yeah. There's like a concession there. Yeah. Yeah. And she was basically like, look, I just really wanted to like... You know, Amanda, Amanda's been a bitch to me. Um, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to, like, show her mm-hmm. up. I lost everything. This was, like, my last-ditch effort. I didn't want to hurt you. You know, that was basically... She thought she was sticking it to Amanda, basically. Right. Um, and, and I think Craig was like, well, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. <laughs> um, and, so, and so he says he'll, he'll take care of it. And lo and behold, he does. And he goes and he takes... A, he, like, breaks into Harry's office, takes her file... Um, threatens him and gives him, I guess, what ten thousand dollars to go away. No, I think it's the full fifty. No, because he gives he he. Oh, because he, he would have gotten ten if Sid settled for fifty thousand, then forty goes to Sid and ten goes to him. Yeah, so, yeah he gets the yeah. ten thousand from that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so she he shows up and he gives her a check for forty thousand dollars, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Here's your, you know, here's the settlement that you wanted, and I've gotten rid of Harry, and I've paid him off, and." And and now we're and now you're good. You're golden, and I care about you. And you know, and he kisses her, and it looks like they're about to, you know, have a intimate moment on the couch. Yeah, uh, uh, interestingly, on the couch, not the bed. Not the bed, because um, I don't think this has a bedroom again. Guys, it went from a one bedroom to a two bedroom to a no bedroom. Yeah, 
shape shifting. Yeah. Um, and so then there's one tag on that, which is <laughs> as Amanda and Kyle are about to board their return flight from the Dominican Republic, Amanda calls Craig and he's able to tell her the good news about the settlement. And so D&D is not going to go bust because of Sid's tumble down the stairs. And then they hang up. Amanda is in a good mood. We pull back from Craig at D&D where we get a reveal Sid is now sitting there at a desk. She is a new employee of D&D with a new title, consultant. <laughs> I know, consulting what? Who cares? Sid is now a D&D. Who knows? I mean, this was so out of left field and it was beautiful and I can't wait to see what kind of trouble she gets in. Yeah. So. Yep, it's, a, it's the great next step. Yeah, it really I was. Hope- and it was perfect. Yeah, I only wish that, that Sid could have been uh, an employee at D&D during the heyday when, you know, Allison and Brooke and all of them were still there. But um, but yeah, we will see what comes up next there. And um, so that... Amanda's that, having a no good, very bad week at this point, now that she's back from the Dominican Republic. <laughs> lots of ups and downs, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and I guess, where do we end it? I guess with Taylor and Peter we're, and Taylor a little bit of Michael Peter here. Michael. Yep. Yeah. So we're moving forward with that rage epilepsy plot. Um... You and know, Taylor, I had to Google that to see if it was a thing. It is a real thing, I believe. Okay. Because I have looked it up. Okay. But, and, I mean, like, I, I don't think the way that the show is describing is necessarily AMA accurate, but I think it's built off of a real thing. Yes. Right. And so, basically, um, you know, the, the Michael and Taylor are conniving at kyle's restaurant while kyle is away um to at how they are going to sort of you know make peter think that he has rage epilepsy and it has to do with slipping him <laughs> a, a, a pill in his whiskey and um oh, which wait, sounds familiar yeah which sounds familiar but i kind of missed the part where they were like at the hospital first and Peter walks, Peter walks in Peter walks yeah. in on them and they're sort of like, this is when they start to plot the rage epilepsy thing. Peter walks in, Taylor is like, oh, I'm just, I was here looking for you. I wanted to buy you a coffee and I ran into Michael. He was helping me find you. And Peter is very nasty and is like, you don't come find me. I, I will find you if I want to talk to you. Otherwise yeah. you're not in my life. Like it's all very weird and creepy. They can make him like more extreme. Uh, of an asshole, which begs a question I'll get to at the very end. But yes, this is this is where we are. Right. And then we we're over at the um, at the restaurant, and they're sort of plotting, you know, what's what they're how they're going to you know drug him to make it appear that he does terrible things to Taylor. While right. They is... need him to black out, so yeah. they will basically simulate using his body these rage epilepsy seizures. Right. And, and Taylor is like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. And then she's like, okay, I can do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and she does actually call out the fact that she did a very similar storyline about eight episodes back with right. uh, Kyle's friend Nick. Right. Yeah, she says, I, I can't do this. No, I can't do this. And then finally says, I love this plan and goes over and kisses Michael. Now, remember when I said that Jennifer was going to pick up some groceries in the kitchen from Kyle's restaurant? She happens to be looking through the window from the kitchen right at the moment that Taylor kisses her brother, Michael. Right. And so now she sees that. And I mean, 
should we go back to Kyle's place uh, quickly where yes. yeah. Megan goes to check on Jen, Jennifer, mm-hmm. and she's very happy, you know, relieved. And then, um, and that's when we find out that Jennifer's um, reinterpreted Kyle's generosity in a very different way. Yeah. And her, her version of affection yeah. is different than his. Yeah. yeah, and is basically, we're getting back together. He's divorcing Taylor for me. And, you know, Megan's like, oh, are you sure? Right. Yeah. And um, and she was like, you know, just just, you know, just remember he did these things to you. He cheated on his wife with you. He's not a, a good person to pick. And and Jen, Jennifer was like, every all guys cheat and setting Megan up to be like, are you sure? You know, I don't know if that's right. And then, you know, that then. Jennifer can sort of say, well, I saw Michael and Taylor kissing and um, and sort of rock poor Megan's world when Megan, Megan's just yeah, trying yeah. to like help this chick. Um, and and she's like basically now going to destroy their marriage, even though, you know, Michael's done a lot of things and he's cheated an awful lot. But this time he is not cheating. Uh-oh. But yeah, he also, I'm sure, does not want to admit to Megan what he's up to with Taylor either. It's hard, because, right? Like, what yeah. do you use as your your alibi? Um, yeah, but but I think Megan won't be able to help but start seeing Michael in a different lens now after trying to really help carve out a positive path for him going, like, post-Kimberly's death, really. Yeah, I mean, she really was kind of like his conscience, and now I don't know where um where she's going to be through all of this anyway meanwhile back at uh peter's place at the marina um taylor is getting a drink for him ready uh for when he gets home from work uh she spikes it with this pill um he drinks it he gets knocked out and i guess michael shows up at some point right after that yeah michael shows up yeah after we like cut back to Peter once he's passed out, and that's when Michael shows up to help with the whole with the framing of, of Peter and his rage. Yeah, uh, epilepsy. So Michael takes Peter's hand and really bangs it up good against the table to bruise it. Um, but Taylor needs the bruise to show that Peter has been violent against her in the seizure. And this is the big scene that they were selling the episode with. Um, she's like, "I need a bruise." Hit me, Michael. And to the show's credit, to the show's very years before Me Too credit, they make a point of, oh, it's like a meatloaf video. Whatever bad things Michael will do, he won't hit Taylor. Yeah. Not even <laughs> in the name of framing Peter and maybe getting chief of staff. He's adamant that he won't, and Taylor's adamant that he must. Um, and so finally, she decides to take matters into her own hand. Uh, opening the door into herself and giving her a nasty bruise and black eye on her face. Yeah. I mean, it, and it looks pretty realistic the way they edit it. So good for that stunt. Um, but, but yeah, she, Lisa Rinna opens the door into her face. Yeah. And that made me flinch. Um, very convincing. And then we end the episode with her, uh, <laughs> like laying herself over Peter's unconscious body saying, oh, I'm doing this for you. I love you so much. And it's like, you know what? Throughout this whole storyline of trying to like understand this dark Peter of planning this rage epilepsy thing, 
I haven't once gotten the idea that Taylor actually loves him right now. At this point, I'm like, why do you love him? Why do you want to stay? Yeah, like, just get the hell out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, she owns half a restaurant. Yeah, she should be able to afford her own apartment. I she mean, this is probably ridiculous. Find a place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, so that she's staying with this man. I mean, like, especially since, like, what history do they have? Really? I mean, the history is all really a fiction in her head from when she was 15, supposedly. Um, they, they've been together for half a season, started as an affair based on a lie, and since then, all he's done has been emotionally abusive to her. Um, like, this doesn't really seem to be a relationship that's benefiting anybody, and it certainly doesn't seem like love. No. So, that's where we are here. Yeah. And that's where the episode ends. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's so it. Some, and we're... Go ahead. Some great storylines. Um, some real clunkers still, but definitely still better than season four. Yeah. They're, uh, they definitely know where they want to park everything by the end of the season. And we're just two episodes away from that. I know. I was going to say, we're sort of like whizzing through. Like we're about to, um, we're, we're about to get to the very end here. That's right. Homestretch, light at the end of the tunnel, whichever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and then it's on to season six very, very soon. Believe it or not. Yeah. Pretty wild stuff. So that is Going Places, and we will see where they go from here next week, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Go visit us on uh, Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. Go to iTunes and five-star it up. Um, yeah. Any other blessings you want to put out there, Karen? Um, no, you got, you got it covered. All right. We're good. We're yeah, good. We're we good. will hopefully see you guys on over at Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, we got it 2021 style. Yeah, we got shit to talk about. So <laughs> we'll see you over there. Thanks, guys. Be good. Be safe. Bye. <laughs>